This podcast is a production of America Matters Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the America Matters Media Podcast Network by visiting americamatters.us. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review at your favorite place to download podcasts. The views expressed in this show do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers, although we think they should. But that's the opinion of America Matters Media. America spends five to ten times more on health care than any other country in the world. Then why does America rank number 43 worldwide for longevity? Third world countries such as Cuba and Costa Rica rank higher than the U.S. So what's wrong with health care in America? This is what's wrong. Our $3 trillion healthcare industry is focused on disease management, while 70% of our planet relies on traditional indigenous medicine that is focused on health optimization. Learn how. Join Dr. Dan Royal on the show, The Royal Treatment, bringing you the latest information on the best of medicine, biotechnology, and pharmacology, as well as secrets from the past. These secrets have withstood the test of time and are being rediscovered today. In fact, indigenous healthcare practitioners are using them for the benefit of their patients who seek optimal health and wellness. Now, here is Dr. Dan Royal. Greetings, listeners. I am Dr. Dan Royal, and you are now listening to The Royal Treatment. As you may know, we're here every week to answer your health questions. Now, if you have a question, you can always email me at droyal at thbclinic.com. That's where I work here in Las Vegas, Turtle Healing Bank Clinic. So it's D as in Daniel Royal, R-O-Y-A-L at thbclinic.com. Or you can email us. I'm sorry, you can call us at 702-562-1454. That's 702-562-1454. That's the Turtle Healing Bank Clinic here in Las Vegas which, by the way, is one of the sponsors of our program, along with the First Nation Medical Board. The First Nation Medical Board is under the jurisdiction of the Crow Tribe of Indians, but the Turtle Hill Bank Clinic is also under their jurisdiction. In fact, we just solidified an agreement to that effect within the last month because previously the Turtle Hill Bank Clinic was under the jurisdiction of an Indian nation, but a different one. So now everything is under the umbrella of one Indian nation. That's important because the federal government gave the Indians the right to regulate something called traditional medicine. And the Crow tribe of Indians are the first one to step up and do that. And we thank them for it because it allows doctors such as myself to be dual licensed, meaning we practice conventional medicine, but we need a dual license to practice alternative medicine. And we can do that in all 50 states now thanks to the First Nation Medical Board, which was set up for that purpose. And it's also set up to license those who have no home, but they practice traditional alternative medicine. Now, that includes chiropractors, acupuncturists, homeopaths, and others. They are part of our network and our team, if you will. Our focus, as you heard during the introduction, is to help you, my listeners, achieve optimal health and wellness. Keep in mind that is the antithesis of what our insurance or medical healthcare system was set up to do. It pays for and reimburses for disease management in a sick care system. Although we call it health, that's a misnomer. And if you want to be healthy, you're going to have to take matters into your own hands because that's not what doctors are trained to do. They're trained to identify symptoms 
and prescribe medicines to treat those symptoms, hopefully give you a diagnosis for which medic medicine or healthcare will reimburse you. But many of you are interested in something more. You want to know how you can optimize your health and well-being. And that's what we're here today to help you do. Now, we're broadcasting on Zoom, if we have been new for the last several weeks. And when we do that, we'd like to have a guest with us. Today, we have a physician, a cardiologist from California, Irvine. He's been part of the faculty there as a cardiologist. He's also someone who works with me on the First Nation Medical Board and has experience working with hospitals and institutional review boards that monitor clinical research studies. And we're very glad to have him with us. His name is Dr. Jackie C. Jackie, welcome to the program and tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, thank you, Dan. Uh, I'm honored to, to be here. Uh, a little bit about my background. I graduated from the UCI School of Medicine in 1968, uh, then did an internship, then spent uh, couple of years on active duty, United States Naval Reserve, 69 to 72, then uh, finished my uh, residency training, a fellowship in cardiology at Huntington Memorial Hospital in Pasadena. I did a research fellowship in medicine at Harvard and then returned uh, to uh, California, went into private practice. I'm in uh, Fullerton, which is in North Orange County. We had the first uh, open-heart surgery program for all of Orange County. The population at that time in 1976 was about a million, and now it's about three and a half million, and there are 26 open-heart surgery programs in Orange County. And my training was that we have uh, our first quarter of our career, getting through school, the second quarter, uh, paying off your health uh, and uh, education costs and getting your family educated. Then the next stage is going to clinical practice, which I did. Uh, it ended up uh, putting together specialty heart hospitals, which was then declared not legal. So doctors are not allowed to own hospitals anymore. I experienced that uh, then. Did some consulting work in uh, Nevada. So I've been licensed to practice medicine in Nevada uh, since the early 70s. Uh, I was pleased to meet Dr. Dan Royal a couple of years ago. He talked about First Nation Medical Board, uh, Turtle Bank Clinic, the IRB, and we've been working on that together over the last two years. Just a word about uh, cardiology, and I'm a, I'm a physician, uh, board certified in internal medicine, and a member of the, and fellow of the American College of Cardiology since 1980. At, well, uh, all about the, that, that. That's about my background and training. Yes, you have an extensive history, and I appreciate you sharing that with us. We're going to go to a break, but when we come back from our break, I want you to talk a little bit about some of your personal experience that you have had with your own health and stem cell treatments, and maybe as a result of that, what you recommend today. I'm Dr. Dan Royal. You're listening to The Royal Treatment. My guest today is Dr. Jackie C., cardiologist 
in California. We're going to take a short break, but we'll be back. Stay with us. To join the conversation, call 844-790-TALK. That's 844-790-8255. Now back to the show. We are back to the show, and thank you for sticking with us for the, well, the second quarter of our show. I'm Dr. Dan Royal. I work here in Las Vegas at the Turtle Healing Band Clinic. We're under the jurisdiction of the Indian Nation. And there's a reason for that. As we explained at the beginning, it's so we can practice alternative medicine. It goes by other names, complementary, integrative, traditional, holistic, all designed to help you, the listeners, achieve optimal health and wellness. And one of the ways that we do that is providing our patients with supplements to help them with areas where they need some support and avoiding drugs wherever possible because every single drug has a side effect. And just kind of as a rule of thumb, when you take one or more drugs, well, two drugs in particular, they can have interactions. But when you take more than two drugs, we don't really know what's happening. So that can be somewhat problematic for physicians. But one of the first things we do when we see patients in our clinic is to determine what drugs they are taking. We need to know if the symptoms you're experiencing are side effects of the medications you are taking. That's just one of our philosophies that we employ with our patients, at least upon their initial visits. And there are many things we do here that are quite unique. You can check us out, turtlehealingbandclinic.com. That's our website. We're the first clinic in the nation to have what's called the Cell Vital Pulse. It's a chair that was developed by the Cell Vital Company in Europe, and it's been found to be, well, 90-90% curative of those patients who have bladder incontinence or weakness. You can check out their website by going to cellvitaltherapy.com. That's the U.S. website for this very unique chair, which we're using in our clinic for, well, a multitude of treatments. Before the break, Dr. C was introducing himself, and I would like him to continue, maybe telling us a little bit more about himself and also his personal health experience. Dr. C, take it over. Oh, uh, thank you, uh, Dr. Ryle. Yes, as a voluntary faculty member at UCI School of Medicine in the 80s, uh, we were working on digital subtraction and geography, which is the use of uh, computers to subtract background you don't want to see during an angiogram, etc., working uh, with physicists and radiologists at the university. Uh, And I met a fellow in the 90s who, uh, after the uh, fall of the, the Soviet Empire, moved from Russia to the United States, and he had a Ph.D. in stem cell biology. I'd never okay. heard of stem cells being used in treatments because that was developed in Russia, and he was one of the early pioneers in that. So subsequently, sure. I went to uh, Russia in the mid-90s, learned about what they can uh, do there, and little did I know that not too long thereafter, uh, I was diagnosed uh, with a, uh, let's say, mild uh, cancer due to all of the radiation that I had absorbed from doing 25,000 interventional cardiology procedures under x-ray guidance. And just so you know, 
And that was those were hard X-rays, and now with computerization, soft X-rays are used, and the X-ray exposure for angiograms, CTs, uh, other uh, radiology procedures are far lower as far as uh, the radiation uh, dose. But in any event, uh, underwent uh, surgery and uh, radiation and chemotherapy. About six months later, they said, oh, we're going to have to repeat your chemo. And I said, no, thank you. I went to Europe. I had stem cells. Uh, that was in the year 1996. So 24 years later, here I am, uh, because I had what at that time was termed alternative or complementary uh, medicine. So uh, in my career, I've had the fortunate circumstances of being in cardiology, started out the angiograms were controversial, then they're done routinely, started out the pacemakers were controversial, and they're now done, started out that uh, doing uh, angiography uh, with uh, isotopes, controversial now, uh, currently is just standard practice. So all of these new inventions throughout my, uh, well, 50 years of practice, I have been exciting, and it's been exciting to watch the uh, prevention portion of medicine, uh, which I became involved in the early 80s with developing a nutritional supplements. First was a cholesterol-lowering agent that was sold as a uh, anti-cholesterol agent. Uh, worked very well. Then became uh, interested in uh, intravenous uh, vitamin C delivery, uh, the use of other uh, agents uh, that are not considered uh, drugs, and that's you know with uh, full approval though of uh, the requirements under the uh, DSHEA Act that was passed in the 1990s, which incidentally all of the manufacturers got together. I worked uh, with the FDA, and that was the birth of the field of alternative uh, medicine. And the nutritional supplements that you can get is a result of that. So I've been blessed to have the experience of uh, traditional medicine training, going through what it takes to get it from uh, invention uh, to the patient at the bedside, owning hospitals, uh, being a part of administration, chiefs of staff, a practitioner, and so forth. Uh, our uh, our professors in, in, in the days of my training uh, trained us to never retire. We, we spent our last quarter of our, our lives uh, during education, uh, patient education mainly, uh, young physician education, and teaching. Uh, so that's why I was honored to uh, meet and work with uh, Dr. Dan Royal a few years ago, and uh, we we're uh, using uh, what's available to us uh, that's inexpensive called alternative medicine, which uh, incidentally, uh, the UCI School of Medicine now has a, a new a division, the Samueli uh, School of Medicine's part of the UCI School of uh, Traditional Medicine, so there's a complementary and a traditional uh, medicine medical school together at University of California Irvine now, which you can 
look out. I'm on the alumni uh, uh, board of the uh, medical school branch of UCI. So they've adopted officially uh, alternative medicine departments, which many other medical schools in the United States have done, particularly over the last decade. So what uh, Dr. Royal is talking about and explaining to you that this is, uh, this is well-developed and well-understood, and he's in the forefront of making it more available to more patients worldwide. Well, I appreciate that and uh, and your comments. Very interesting story. Now, when you talk about developing things, you have experience with patents. So some of these products and procedures that you invented, you actually patented, as did your son. Is that correct? That, that's correct. Uh, thank you, Dan. Uh, my son uh, also graduated from the UCI School of Medicine, especially he was uh, Infectious diseases. Uh, he's world uh, world renowned. Uh, did a visiting professorship at the Pasteur Institute in Lyon, France. Uh, unfortunately, uh, he passed away four years ago while working in Ukraine, uh, working to treat uh, drug resistant uh, patients with tuberculosis, which is uh, rampant there. And so we miss him very much. I also had the pleasure of working with my son, who was a specialist in virology, vaccines, and that sort of thing. So that's how a cardiologist ends up with patents related to oral drug delivery for vaccines and other treatments and IV treatments that target organs and those sort of things. I learned that from my son. And so... That was a blessing. Uh, thank you for mentioning that, Dan. No, absolutely. And uh, that's one of the things we'll want to talk about uh, during the second half of our program. But want to talk about what's going on currently and uh, get your thoughts on the coronavirus, which we're continually told is increasing in number of cases. What that really means, uh, for example, uh, we had somebody in our office yesterday from a laboratory we hope to have a relationship with in our dendritic cell vaccine study that we are initiating. We're initiating this study to help patients develop antibodies against SARS-CoV-2 IgG so that they can have what they need to avoid future vaccination. Vaccinations are designed to help us develop antibodies. And if you already have the antibodies, such as when you go to medical school and they want to give you hepatitis. If you already have antibodies against hepatitis, you don't need the vaccine. So we have many patients that are interested in that. But what was interesting is the representative from the laboratory said that they did testing all over town here in Las Vegas. I'm talking about testing for the coronavirus. And when they finally got the reagents to check for the antibody, they tested themselves. They were sure that they had been exposed. As it turned out, they were all negative, as has been all of the patients that we have tested, except for one, which we believe was exposed to SARS-1 back around 2003, which means that her antibody has been good for 17 years or thereabouts. I'm Dr. Dan Royal. You're listening to The Royal Treat, and my guest today is cardiologist Jackie C., who practices conventional and alternative medicine. We're going to take a short break, but we'll be right back. Stay with us. 
Are you shy and don't want to talk on the air? Text us your questions or comments to 775-237-2266. Now back to the show. We are back to the show. I'm Dr. Dan Royal. You're listening to The Royal Treatment. For the break, we were talking a little bit about the dendritic cell vaccine protocol study that we are initiating here in the Turtle Healing Band Clinic. The purpose is to help patients develop natural antibodies without side effects to SARS-CoV-2 so that they can, in turn, avoid future vaccination because antibodies show that you are recovering. This is a process by which we first need to obtain the blood of our patients and document that they are negative for the SARS-CoV-2 antibody. Now, you can do this through your own doctor through most any lab now. Not surprisingly, most everybody that we test is negative, which begs the question, is SARS-CoV-2 real or is it a hoax? This is something that we discuss on this program every week because, well, our government leaders are telling us that we need to wait another year to two years before we'll be back to normal for a virus that supposedly has never existed in the history of mankind. We don't know how they know this, but it appears to us that things were never abnormal and there is no reason that we need to slow getting back to what was normal in the first place. But that's another discussion. Anyway, in regards to the study, we first need your baseline blood test, after which we can then do a blood draw. There is a means by which your blood can be harvested for dendritic cells. These are the cells that take the antigen to your lymph nodes where antibodies are produced. This has happened in hundreds of cancer clinical trials to develop cancer vaccines. Once that has been accomplished or the well, once you've dealt with antibodies, then you have an immune response. But in terms of what we're doing, there needs to be some uh, incubation with a spike protein. A spike protein is the antigen, in this case, SARS-CoV-2, that will allow the dendritic cell to begin its recognition process for introduction to your lymph nodes. This is then given back to the patient, and now we have to wait two, four, or six weeks to retest our patients to see whether they are antibody positive. We should know within the next month or so if this is successful, and we'll keep you posted. Well, we want to get back to our guest, Dr. Jackie C., who's joined us here today. And Dr. C., before the break, we were talking a little bit about, well, some of your philosophy about practicing medicine. I know that you're Beyond the retirement age, my father himself is 86 and still seeing occasional patients. He is from the old school and believes like you do that you never retire, but you used a lot of part of your life to give back. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, yeah. thank you, uh, Dr. Rao. Yes, uh, in our uh, generation, uh, we were uh, trained from, from the beginning, and uh, we were uh, very fortunate throughout our career to have mentors, and these were senior physicians who explained to us as we're finishing our training of, you know, about 33 years. I was 33 years old when I first saw a private patient. I'd been in training all my life. 
So, you know, starting from uh, grammar school all the way through the military, the fellowship, uh, residency, internship, and so forth, that we should take out certain time during our busy part of our careers for our families and for our friends and for our church and our society, which we did. Uh, and then in uh, the latter part of their career, to teach younger physicians uh, what uh, patients really want to hear and to learn how to be communicative to the patients regarding their wishes and their desires and not telling them what to, what to do, but making suggestions and leaving the decisions up to them. And now along comes Google, and so uh, patients now that we see have a lot of information, but they don't know how to process it. So our first question is, well, what did Dr. Google have to say? Then they explain that to us. And then we understand that they're really interested in knowing why they have this illness or not, why they have this condition or not, why the medication or treatment or therapy or surgery works or not. And it becomes very pleasant and rewarding both to the patient's and to the physicians. Currently, uh, with younger physicians at full-time practice, they'll see 30 to 50 patients in an office over an 8, 10-hour period, even with computer backup and uh, scribes and so forth. The average uh, average, uh, uh, intervention with patient and the physician is about 14 minutes. That's very difficult to treat a patient with uh, five illnesses on 10 medications. In fact, it's impossible. So the interplay between uh, physicians and uh, patients has changed for the better over the last decade, and we should, I think, take advantage of that by doing what Dr. Royal is doing with this radio program, is to get out to other people and say, look, we're here. Uh, There are things that you read about. We can tell you what our opinion is as to whether we agree with it or not. Most of the time, we do agree with it. And those things that we don't agree with, we have to give reasons. And this what what Dr. Rell spoke about is uh, with the pandemic, uh, if it was, of uh, coronavirus 2, had to do with statistical analysis. There are certain things called effect size. That means, uh, you know, how many people do you have to test before you believe it? What a p-value is, uh, whether it's useful or not, probably not. It's artificial. It was uh, first described in 1925. When I was in Harvard, they absolutely insisted you rely on that. And that has to do with the null hypothesis and other fancy words. Then we uh, get into Bayesian methods, and that talks about the bias of the uh, investigators that are doing it. Then they've come up with confidence intervals, and then there's a new one. It's called a surprisal, <laughs> and that's a surprise based on what the statistics show. So this is new, and that's kind of like the black swan event, and if you're not familiar with that, you can look it up on your iPhone or Wikipedia or wherever you wish. And that means that irrespective of how many uh, cases you've uh, evaluated, done the statistics on, there's going to be a surprise in there. They call it a surprisal or a black swan event. And the black swan event is that the birds, when they uh, you know, got down to 
uh, Australia in the 1700s or whatever it was, the swans there were black, and they couldn't believe it. They were, they were swans. Well, they were, but in Australia they're black, and in uh, England they're white. So we call that the black swan event, and that's a term I'm borrowing from others. You can look it up. So just a blind obedience to statistics and data that was being published every day in the newspapers, particularly uh, over the Internet, electronic and digital information overload is incredible. And people became confused because they weren't talking with their physicians. They were talking with health services that were working under, quote, emergency conditions, end quote. And doctor's offices were actually closed for about three months. Uh, it wasn't like talk to your doctor. It's like follow this, follow that. And their intentions were good. The authorities' intentions were good, but they were relying on statistical analysis. And that is being challenged now. And the, the, the gobbledygook I spoke about, effect size, p-value, reason method, surprise on covenant now, that's just a little small part of it. But it, it really is too complicated to explain to a patient in, with a 14-minute uh, uh, interval or a telephone call or a telemedicine uh, five-minute interview with your physician. And so in, in a nutshell, that's kind of how things have uh, developed regarding this uh, coronavirus uh, phenomenon. I, I think Dr. Dan will get into this later, but uh, it, it's the first time since mass communications available via our, our iPhones and iPads and other things that we have. Uh, information worldwide is instantaneous, and there's no filter. There's no filter. So we're, we're trained to be filters and filter out what we believe, based on best scientific evidence, as physicians and not as public health servants, and, and they truly are servants and they're wonderful. But we are... Our, our, our loyalty is to the individual, individual patient, and these other groups, their loyalty is to uh, society in general. And that's their job. And our job is to treat and uh, or not treat and advise individuals. We're the last bastion of uh, individual uh, treatments and recommendations in healthcare. Well, one of the things that we keep hearing is that the coronavirus cases are increasing, but what's actually happening is that more people are being tested. And what are they being tested for? Well, they're getting the nasal swabs, which are nonspecific tests for the non-virulent strains of coronavirus, which people have been exposed to for decades, some say as long as 60 years in this country, the United States. So they're being diagnosed with coronavirus alpha or beta strains, and it's being called COVID-19 which is a um, misinformation, maybe misdirection, because we're not seeing those people diagnosed with the nonspecific antigen test showing positive for the antibody. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion here in our last segment with Dr. Jackie C. And I'm going to talk about what happens when you don't get a proper antibody response. I'm Dr. Dan Roy. You're listening to The Royal Treatment. My guest is Dr. Jackie C. We'll be right back after the break. Stay with us. 
Want to expand your advertising dollar? Sponsor this or any America Matters program by calling 775-827-8900, extension 2. Now back to the show. We are back to the show, my friends, and thank you for sticking with us. You're listening to Dr. Jan Royal and the Royal Treatment. My guest today is Dr. Jackie C., cardiologist in California on the faculty of University of California, Irvine. He also practices alternative medicine and works with me on the First Nation Medical Board. Now, if you would like to reach us, you can always email me directly. Perhaps you need some free medical advice. You can email me at droyal at thbclinic.com. That's D as in Daniel, Royal, R-O-Y-A-L, at THB for Turtle Healing Band Clinic, thbclinic.com. Or you can call us here. 702-562-1454, and we will give you answers to your health-related questions. Now, before the break, I mentioned that I would share with you what happens when you do not get an adequate antibody response. This happened in the last couple of years over in the Philippines. Bill Gates Foundation sponsored a French company to develop a vaccine for dengue fever. It may have been called dengue vax or something of that nature. The people who are most at risk for dengue fever are children, ages five to nine years of age. Dengue fever comes from mosquitoes. Well, what happened with the vaccine was that the children did not get an adequate antibody response. When this happens, the individual becomes more susceptible to the disease than if they had not been vaccinated. What that means is when they were exposed, in this case, to the, the disease from the mosquitoes, they developed a cytokine storm and died. So hundreds of children were dead because the vaccine provided them an inadequate antibody response and thousands were made more vulnerable because of it. Now, there is a recent development, which is why I share this with you, where the United States gave $1.2 billion to Oxford University to develop a vaccine for the SARS-CoV-2, the SARS-CoV-2 virus, also known as COVID-19. Recent reports show that the vaccine is currently a failure. Why is it a failure? Well, because it did not provide an adequate antibody response in the monkeys that were tested. You need to be aware of this because unless the vaccine can be proven to be both safe and effective, you can be made more at risk to the virus after vaccination. Dr. Jackie C., any comments on that? Uh, yes, uh, thank you, uh, Dr. Ralph. Yeah, vaccines uh, have always been of interest to us in cardiology and to me in particular uh, because of my son's uh, work in virology, immunology, and allergy. Uh, the, we spent a lot of time, money, and effort on developing oral vaccines, meaning we could put uh, the virus into little small uh, microscopic capsules. They could swallow that, taken up into the pyrus patches, um, part of the lymphatics of the of the of the of the intestine, and get into the bloodstream and go to the lymph nodes and induce an uh, antibody response. And what uh, Dr. Royal was explaining about, well, gee. Uh, what about those people that don't develop an antibody response? Well, they have 
other antibodies that are there from similar viruses that have been filtered out through the body because throughout our life we're bombarded with viruses, phages, which are neither viruses or bacteria or bacteria. So our, our immune system is incredibly complex. And to expect us in science to be able to control all of, the, all of these parameters for all of these uh, illnesses uh, such as coronavirus, which is really uh, a common cold virus. 20 years ago, it was uh, said, well, you know, the coronaviruses and the enteroviruses like Coxsackie B, et cetera, uh, don't need to develop a vaccine for those because patients never die from that. And I can tell you that in writing 20 years ago. Well, what happened, as, as Dr. Rowe explained, is that these viruses have mutated and what was a common cold that became uh, potentially a very serious deadly virus. But we don't have adequate ways uh, to test for it, as we explained. I talked a little bit about uh, statistics. But uh, depending upon uh, a vaccine response means that the body's immune system has to be uh, alerted to the particular virus, whether it's mutated or not, that particular virus in that particular time. And this was learned uh, during the attempted development of uh, HIV vaccines, which had, incidentally, there have been 10 of them at, at a cost of billions of dollars uh, all over the planet, and not one of them worked yet, and it's been 20 to 30 years of development uh, in that arena. So we can't expect uh, the, the scientists, uh, with, even with all the, the tools that we have, come up with this uh, rapidly. So the, the whole field of immune therapy uh, is used in cardiology for a vascular disease. That's now understood as an immune disorder. Cholesterol is a marker for it. Uh, probably not related to the cause. It's probably a viral or immune-mediated. So we find that almost all illnesses uh, are related to the immune system. In fact, they are. And in children, they're particularly different than in uh, adults. So we cannot uh, develop a virus that works for all age groups. So that's something that's also a problem that has not been separately addressed. So my, my only response to to uh, the question from uh, Dr. Royal is, yes, the, the uh, immunology and vaccine field is in a rapid state of flux. It's very difficult to predict the future. It's hard to predict exactly when you're going to have the answer uh, because in science we can talk about what we have before us and we try to make future predictions and, and we're just as often wrong as we are right. And uh, the fear of failure cannot be a part of the uh, attitude of uh, science, scientists, uh, administrators, uh, whomever. We can try to predict the future, but more often than not, we're going to be wrong. So when we do figure it out, it might be timely and it might not. And that's just the nature of healthcare and medicine. Thank you. Well, we can see that and money doesn't necessarily solve the problem. So in the case I just mentioned, the United States again $1.2 billion to Oxford University to develop this SARS-CoV-2 antibody and they have 
failed. Whereas we think that this can be done in a, in a couple of ways. One is what we're doing in our clinic to help patients use their own dendritic cells to develop natural antibody against SARS-CoV-2. Now, the challenge with that is it's a little labor intensive because we have to do it for each and every patient. But you mentioned something very interesting. It is possible that eventually a universal dendritic cell uh, line can be developed that could be administered as a capsule, like what you were talking about, and then they wouldn't need to draw the patient's blood, expose it to a spike protein and so forth. They would simply have to take the capsule. So that might be one of the goals. So we've got a few minutes left here in the program. And before we close out, I would just like your thoughts upon what you think is coming in the future and how we can prepare for that. Well, uh, thank you, uh, Dan. Uh, wh what's coming in the future is uh, is bright. Uh, we have uh, more uh, computing power. We have more postdoctoral uh, graduates and students, both in uh, science, basic science, healthcare, in all fields. Uh, the uh, healthcare is now a universal issue. It's not a country by country issue. So uh, this this COVID virus uh, phenomenon uh, has brought us all together, uh, all the different countries, and we can we can develop databases that are international. So sometimes what works in one country won't work in another, and that's a that's a very long topic. But I, I just want to mention that if something that works in America doesn't necessarily work in Spain, or something that works in England doesn't necessarily work in Australia, uh, that's because we're all individuals. There are almost 8 billion of us now on this planet, and each and every individual has an individual genetic makeup, an immune system makeup. We're all, all different in some way, shape, or form. Now, the vaccinologists, uh, they try to take advantage of that, uh, looking at the, all the different variables through the genetic code. And there are computer programs that are very uh, forward. We don't have quantum computers yet, but in the future we will. So we have tremendous electronic and computer ability to discover and approve things, but we don't have as much as we need. We will have that uh probably before we have uh, a universal vaccine, which is the goal for us all. Thank you, Dan. Well, thank you for those comments. It's very uh, interesting food for thought, the fact that we are different and a universal vaccine might not, probably won't work for everybody. There needs to be some variations given our genetic differences. Well, thank you for being with us today, Dr. Jackasi, cardiologist from University of California, Irvine, who also practices alternative medicine and works with me, Dr. Dan Royal, on the First Nation Medical Board. Now, if you'd like more information about the First Nation Medical Board, simply go to the website, firstnationmedicalboard.com. If you'd like more information about our clinic, Turtle Healing Band Clinic, then go to that website, turtlehealingbandclinic.com. I'm Dr. Dan Royal. You've been listening to The Royal Treatment today. We're here every week to answer your health questions. Next week, we'll be back with another episode of The Royal Treatment. And hopefully, your time with us has been well spent and you've learned at least one new thing. Until next week, my friends, may you all be well. Bye for now.